I'm excited about tonight's message. We're in week three of our series, The Way Out. Everybody say, The Way Out. Right, the children of Israel, after Joseph died, we have the the story of Joseph. He was second in command of Egypt. Joseph died. The children of Israel were now slaves in Egypt. Egypt was supposed to be a place of promise. Egypt was supposed to be uh, maybe even a remnant of Eden. Uh, But you know what happens at Eden? There's always a snake. So Pharaoh acting like a snake uh, doesn't like the Israelites anymore. Uh, and so he starts uh, to kill off all these kids. And he throws kids in the river and he's killing the firstborn. Moses makes it out. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house. Moses gets exiled. Then God calls Moses through a burning bush and says, you're going back to free my people. Moses says, heck no, techno, bro. I ain't doing that. And... Uh, him and God argue back and forth. Anybody ever argued with God? Right? It's okay. We all do it. Uh, he argues back and forth with God, and then and they find a solution where uh, Moses' brother is going to be the one who speaks for him, and this is where we pick up. Okay? We're here in week three. Tonight. Okay, I got to get that centered. It's bugging me. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about um, <clears throat> the plagues. The ten plagues. Raise your hand if you ever heard about the ten plagues in Egypt. We're going to talk about the ten plagues, and it's rad. It's, it's super dope. And I'm going to try not to be too nerdy with it, but it's sick. So if you pay attention, you're going to be like, hey, yo, what? Uh, but I'm also, we're also going to talk about a question that we might all have. We think of our God as this really amazing, loving God, because he is. But how does that picture of God that I have in my head where he, like, eats avocado toast and gives everybody hugs all the time, how does that God throw down 10 plagues on all of Egypt. How does that fit in? We're going to talk about that. Why does he do it? Why does a just God sometimes have to bring the hammer down? Uh, And then we're going to end uh, with Passover. It's going to be really great. Can I pray for us real quick? Lord, uh, as I preach these, uh, whatever words are coming out of my mouth, I preach your word as I I read these scriptures. God, would you uh, help me to get out of the way and you speak fully tonight? Uh, let your, uh, the good news of your son Jesus Christ be preached tonight. Help our hearts to be open wide to it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're in chapter 5. I'm not going to read a bunch tonight. I'm just going to paraphrase a lot, okay? So I would encourage you. I had an encouraging text message a couple weeks ago from Logan, and he's like, hey, I'm reading ahead. I'm, I'm spending time with the scripture, and it's good. I would encourage you to do the same, because I... I'm going to go from chapter 5 uh, to like chapter 12 tonight. <laughs> so I don't have time to read all that. You don't want me to read all that, okay? So, uh, but I'd love for you to read it, okay? And so, but we're going to start off uh, Exodus chapter 5. It says, And afterward Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. So if you remember when, uh, when, when God was speaking to Moses uh, at, the, at the burning bush, Moses says, who should I tell them sent me? He's basically saying, hey, yo, what's your name? The God of the universe, Moses is like, uh, what's your name? Right? And God says, I am who I am, or I am that I am. I grew up with I am that I am, so it's hard to say I am who I am, but it's the same thing. He says, I am. And then he later on says, so go, so go ahead and tell them 
the I am sent you. Dang. You know what I got to think about? I didn't talk about it as much last week, but you know what I got to think about? What does that even mean? And it means a couple of things. It means holiness. It means integrity. He is who he is. He is who he's always going to be. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? We've heard that. That's who God is. But he's saying, I am. Can you imagine if someone, you're like, hey, what's your name? And they're like, I am. But can you imagine God of the universe? You're like, what's your name? He goes, I am. I am is my name. Like, what? what does that mean? I started thinking about it this week. I was like, what does that mean? I'm listening to some podcasts. I'm trying to, that's what I do when I'm prepping. I'm listening to stuff and I'm reading stuff. I'm trying to get it. And you know what that means? God's saying his name is I am. It means he is the, He's, he's representative, he's the fulfillment, he's the creator of being. He's simply saying, I am, and I always will be, and I always have been. And I just think that's dope. So for us, as human beings, God is saying, the, the thing that, that I've made you came from me. The, the breath that's in your lungs, that you, you exist because I have always existed. Right? He says, I am. And names are super important for gods. Right? Egyptian culture, they got all sorts of different gods. And they got all sorts of different names. And the most, probably the most popular one, the most powerful one is, this, is the god Ra, which is the sun god. Right? And so, uh, and really probably the most powerful god in the Egyptian culture was Pharaoh. Pharaoh's viewed as a god. And so when, when God is saying, here's my name, he's saying, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh that I am, I've always been, and I always will be. And who you've heard, if you've heard about me, because Pharaoh has, if, if he's capping if he says he hasn't. And he goes, and what you've heard about me is true, and it's still going to happen, and it will happen tomorrow too. That's tough as nails. So... <laughs> Going back, and afterward Moses and Aaron came uh, and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, that is the name Yahweh. Okay, anytime you see the Lord in the Old Testament, it's Yahweh. Sounds good? The God of Israel. He says, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is Yahweh? He said, who's Yahweh that I should obey his voice? To let Israel go. I don't know Yahweh. And besides, I'm not letting them go. So God says, tell him my name. And then Moses tells him his name. And Pharaoh goes, I don't know that fool. And even if I did, I'm still not letting them go. It's about to go down. Pharaoh's like, what's up? Can you imagine that? Like God's like, hey, bro. And you're like, what's up, God? Come on. Come at me, bro. Catch me outside. How about that, God? Like, I was like, Pharaoh, you're a little dumb. Um, but what happens is when, when, uh, when Moses and Aaron tell Pharaoh, like, hey, God's told us that you're to let his people go. He's like, I don't know who that is. And he goes, in fact, I'm not going to let them go. Also, uh, the labor that they've been doing, we've been providing them straw to, to make bricks. We're going to pull the straw but still have them meet the same quota of making bricks. And if they don't make that quota, we're going to beat them. 
So Pharaoh's like, if it's not good enough that I'm, I'm not going to let them go. Also, if they're your people, I'm going to beat them to a pulp right in front of you. Pharaoh, stop, bro. And here's the thing. Pharaoh has always reacted in violence. He's killing children so that the population goes down. He, th he thinks he's Thanos, right? Pharaoh's like, it must be done for the greater good. We must kill him, right? Right, whatever. And so he's killing babies and stuff, and then God comes in and tells him, like, hey, it's time to, you're done. <laughs> time to let my people go. And he goes, oh, yeah? I'm cracking the whip on all of them. So he's responding with violence. And, I, and here, here's the thing. The, the exact opposite of creation is violence. It's death. Think about it. God speaks the world into existence. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He's speaking life. And, and it's crazy if you uh, are into like uh, the stars and the cosmos or whatever. The, the, the universe is still growing at, a, at an incredible rate. And it never will stop. Why? Because God spoke it into creation. God says, do this. And it will never stop obeying God. So it has to keep going. But what's the opposite of that is, is death. And so we see it in, we saw it in Genesis that the very first, like, after the, the apple and getting kicked out of the garden, the very first sin that we see in the next generation is murder. And then it goes to mass murder, right? And then it's the same story over and over and over again. And so Pharaoh is not only saying, I don't know you, Yahweh, step up to me. He's also saying, like, oh, creator God. Uh, I'm decreating your people. I'm ending them. Them's fighting words. Now we understand a little bit better why Yahweh had to throw down. I don't think we have to question that as much. The type of person you are, the type of person we all are, is how we react to great violence, how we react to great evil. Think about that. When you see evil, that's why sometimes these like super scary movies and gory stuff, it kind of freaks me out a little bit with, with, with you guys and your discipleship and your growth because it's like just watching some dude get maliciously murdered and you're like, oh, sick. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, that kind of sucked, you know. Like, I don't know if we should be stoked on that. Uh, and we get desensitized to those things. We wonder why we're so screwed up. type of people we are is how we react to great evil. It's like we should never ever in our life be like, I don't know, man. I don't think Hitler was that bad, you know. But people do that. You'll see that on Twitter all the time. They're like, what? The type of person you are is how you react to great evil. And evil is simply just the opposite of God. So God had to react. God's a just God, so he's got to throw down. So now, we're going to talk about the throwdown. If you want to take notes, tonight I'm going to title this message, A War of Gods. Which is kind of tough. Or let's, let's do a God of War. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, A War of Gods. A War of Gods. Yahweh says multiple times, actually in this, in this story of the plagues, Yahweh says it seven times, that the things that he's going to do in Egypt is how they will remember his name forever. So th Yahweh is saying that the, the events of Egypt, the exodus, this book is how I want you to remember me. 
Which is interesting because in Exodus chapter 34, Yahweh describes himself for the first time. Right? So this book of Exodus, Genesis was about creation. Exodus is about Yahweh. It's about who he is. It's how he'll be remembered forever. Right? I'm wearing a Lakers jersey tonight, which is probably is bad luck. They lost, but um, it's all good. Let's go, my boy, my, my boy Jay Noel here wearing his Lakers hat. But here's the thing. LeBron James, that's the jersey I'm wearing right now. Like him or don't like him, I don't really care. Here's, here's the one thing. If you know, if you follow basketball, we all know what LeBron's known for. And it's that chase down block versus Iguodala that, start, that basically sealed their 3-1 comeback against the greatest team of all time. It's like this one event, Right? We think of all these different like sports icons or, or celebrities or whatever it might be, and they all have a moment that made them big. This is Yahweh's moment. He's saying, I want you to remember me by this event. I want you to remember me that I heard the cries of my people. I want you to remember me that I knew that they were oppressed and I freed them. And I want you to know that I blessed them. And I want you to know that I, I was just with those who were evil. This is how I want you to remember me. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus is loving. Jesus is kind. Jesus eats with sinners. But he also flips tables and whips people when things are going wrong. This is how we're going to remember Yahweh. Amen? So we skip a couple chapters. Um, in chapter 7 is kind of where it begins here, these, these, these plagues, right? Because Pharaoh's disrespecting Yahweh and his name, and God says, I'm about to throw down, Okay? It's, his, it's God's response to a great evil. This is how we know the character of God. Uh, before the plagues start, there's uh, the instance of the miracle that we talked about last week where Aaron throws down his staff and it turns into a snake, right? And this is all, uh, God appoints Moses to be, he says, be like Yahweh in front of Pharaoh, you're going to represent God. And, and he appoints Aaron to be the prophet, the voice of Moses. Uh, and so this is a really cool thing. So uh, uh, Egypt is a kind of like a, uh, it was supposed to be almost a, a like I said earlier, a remnant of Eden, right? And in Eden, we find a snake. The snake in this story is Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's the one who's tempting folks, turning things around. It's all bad. Now they're in slavery. Does that make sense? It was good. Now it's bad. Under Joseph, it was good. Now it's bad. Good, bad. What makes it bad? Sin. Okay? Now check this out. Why, why do you think God is having Moses turn his staff into a snake? Because he's, this is a fight between God and Pharaoh, and it's a fight between God and the snake. It's a fight between God and Satan. And he's showing him that it's not even me anymore. Moses can throw down his staff and pick that snake back up. He's giving Moses control over the snake. That's tough as nails. Okay, so there's ten plagues. Everybody say ten. The ten plagues are spit, split, spit, are split into groups of three plus one. There's three, 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 and then one. Okay? Creation is split into groups of three, three, and then one. There's six, and there's one. It's kind of a mirror. Uh, but anyways, we're not going to focus too much on that because you're going to fall asleep if I do. Okay. So the first one is God turns, and we're going to just talk about the nine plagues, and then we're going to end it with, I'm going to point it to Jesus, it's going to be sick, okay? So the first plague, everybody say the first. 
The first plague is that God turns the Nile River into blood. What? This is important for many different reasons. Oh, there's some, uh, here's, here's the claim here, is that these ten plagues are God essentially uh, in front of Egypt, in, just in that space, reversing creation. Everything that he spoke uh, life into, he's now, because he's God and he's just, and there's violence, he's speaking death into it so that his people might be freed. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay. You're like, what? This is crazy. But God turns, it says in the morning, right? And, he, and Moses meets Pharaoh at the river, and then uh, they turn the Nile, he turns the Nile into blood. This is so significant for many reasons. Uh, Pharaoh did what in the Nile River? He threw babies into the Nile River. God turns it into blood. Say, look, look what you did, essentially. Also, in Egyptian culture, the Nile River was representative of deity. Because it sourced everything. It was their life source. It, it fed the crops. It, it was their water. It was everything they have. So God is saying, oh, you don't know my name? That's crazy because I created you. I gave you life. And also I could take it away. Your very life source I turned into blood. You can't really like live off of blood. That's kind of weird. Right? <clears throat> And then randomly, don't know if this is important, but it says seven days pass after this plague. On to the next one. Number two. Everybody say number two. So there's, they turn the Nile River into blood. Number two is frogs. And I really had to dig deep on why frogs were relevant. And there's another side to this. There's re, these are all, all these, uh, and you should go down this rabbit trail, but all of these plagues are important to Egyptian culture, but I just I wanted to pin it on... It's, it's relation to creation in Yahweh. So, but you could jump down that rabbit trail later. Maybe we'll do that in small, group, small groups. But frogs. If you remember in the creation story, God said that, that, that the things of the sea and the things of the earth were separated. The living creatures of the sea and the living creatures of the land are separated. What does a frog represent? There's no separation anymore. Not like a super big deal, but it's kind of cool. And they're super annoying. So their, flop, their frogs are just going everywhere in people's houses and all this kind of stuff. It's annoying. And, 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 uh, and through this time, uh, through, after the three separate ones, Moses goes back uh, to Pharaoh each time and says, will you let my people go? And Pharaoh keeps saying no, right? That's why the plagues keep happening. Uh, number three. Everybody see number three. Number three is fly, uh, gnats. I almost got ahead of myself. And for some reason, the third of the groupings never has a warning. The first two do. The first two, the first of each three, uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh in the morning by the river and tells him what's going to happen. And then the second one, he goes to his house at night and tells him what's going to happen. And then the third one, there's no warning. It just happens. So God tells Moses, strike the dust. And the gnats appear. Why is that important? Where did we come from? The dust. Life, humans, came from the dust. Now, strike the dust. Here's some gnats. <laughs> dust represents mortality. He's reminding them that they're not going to live forever. Okay, so that's the first three. Now we're on to the second three. The first one, right, he meets Pharaoh in the morning by the river, and what happens? Flies. 
The Bible says that the flies fill the land. Who was supposed to fill the land? We were. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Now where there's flies. What do flies do? Flies decompose things and hang out with poop. <laughs> and they hang out with dead animals. It's another signal of death that God's giving to Egypt. There's a separation again. The next one, it's funny that they're called the ten plagues because actually only one of them is a plague. Like plagues are like diseases. Uh, the, if you're wanting to nerd out a little bit, the Hebrew word for, that they use for plague is actually more like strike. So it's like ten strikes, which is kind of sick. Boom, like ten punches. Okay, so the plague, this is kind of, the, there's a plague over the livestock, right? And this is um, chapter nine. Uh, and the plague of the livestock, um, he meets him in his house at night and uh, the livestock all die. They're sick, they die. Uh, this is another uh, signal from God about life. I give you life, uh, and I can take it away. Your very food source, I can take that away, right? Um, and he says it happened at a specific time. So there's a time aspect of it, creation. And the last one, like has happened before, there's no warning. This one is boils. That sucks. This sucks bad. This one's like, okay, that, okay that's too far, man, <laughs> all right? Uh, so all of, all of Egypt has these boils pop up on their body, and it's nasty, and it's hurt, it hurts, and it's painful. But you know what's interesting? And there's uh, a Hebrew um, liter literary device is to use words that play off of one another and are like reverse order. Uh, boil in Hebrew backwards is snake. Kind of cool. So. Um, boils, that sucks. Okay, now we're on to the last three. Okay, the first one, what time does he meet Pharaoh at? In the morning, by the river. What happens? Hail. There's a hailstorm. Uh, me, Ben, Zach, and Caleb went to Colorado. And on the way back, randomly, there was this giant hailstorm. And I didn't really care about the hail and us, like, us, like, potentially, you know, slip and slide on the road. We were in Pastor Jeff's truck, okay? And I was like, stop, stop hitting the truck, man. Like, you know, I was like looking up at God. Hey, listen, dude, we didn't do anything, bro. Stop the hail, right? But the, the Bible says that the, the, these hails, that this hail was like so big it would, it would kill you on an instant. It, it, would, it killed the people, it killed the livestock, it killed the plants. Once again, right, in the creation story, the land was supposed to be fruitful, Everything that came from the land was supposed to be fruitful and multiply, and now the hail is eliminating him. Finish him. Okay. The land blessings reverse. The second, uh, the second one of this uh, last grouping, right, which would, this would be the eighth one, is locusts. Once again, this is just a doubling down on the last thing. Locusts eat everything that sprouts from the ground. Okay, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Locusts suck. Um, the last one before the big one, so this is number nine. The last plague before the big one is a plague of darkness. In the same language, Genesis 1, God says, let there be light. In this story, he instructs Moses to say, let there be darkness. And it happens. And this is the crazy thing. The darkness only consumed the Egyptians. The, Isra the Israelites weren't in darkness, but the Egyptians were. 
This is a reversal of day one creation. God is saying, oh, if it's not enough for me to tell you that I gave you the very air that you breathe, the life that you breathe, uh, also the, the light that sustains you, I can turn that off too. Because <laughs> with my voice, I said, let it be. Now I'll say, let it not be. That's tough as nails, Gianna. It's cool. Okay? We're going to get there, I promise. Now here's the last one. When, 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 uh, if you remember, when Yahweh is talking, when God is talking to Moses, he says, you're going to go tell Pharaoh that Pharaoh has been abusing my firstborn son, Israel. He's been, he's been hurting, he's been murdering my firstborn son, Israel. God calls Israel his firstborn son. And Pharaoh takes all the firstborn sons of all the Israelites, throws them in the Nile River. So, so Pharaoh doubles down three times. No, I'm not letting my people. I don't know who Yahweh is. I don't like that dude. I don't believe in him. I don't care about his people. I'm going to beat his people up more and more that you keep asking. So God's like, all right, you forced me. The last plague is where Yahweh kills all the firstborn, the firstborns in Egypt. Firstborn cattle, firstborn people. All the firstborn sons. And you're like, whoa, that's too much, man. Like, why, why would Yahweh do that? Here's the thing. Check this out. Pharaoh didn't give anybody a way out. He just threw them all into the Nile River. The cool thing about this one, and it's tough because uh, it happened, and those who didn't obey lost their firstborn son, but Yahweh made it available to all of Israel and all of Egypt to let it pass over them. And this is where we get the idea of Passover. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Passover? The Passover feast. Um, so here's what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this up and then we're going to point to Jesus, okay? Give me five minutes. Here's, here's how it goes. So Passover is, there's, a, there's, a, there's this thing called the death angel that's going to come through. And, it, and God says that if you would take a spotless lamb, this is interesting, a male lamb one year or younger. Sound familiar? Pharaoh through all those humans, males, in the river, right? Uh, God says, I want, all, I want spotless, male, one year or younger lambs, and I want you to sacrifice them and indulge them, eat them uh, like you would, right? You cook them up, eat them. But don't, he goes, with the blood, I want you to paint your doorpost. Everyone in here is like, what is going on right now? But trust. <laughs> remember, when, remember, remember when Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac? What happened? God provided a what? A lamb. What is God doing for his people right now? God's saying, hey, I have to be just. I have to be just. I have to respond to Pharaoh's great evil. I have to. But I'm giving you a lamb. And if you would just take the lamb, you don't have to sacrifice your son, Abraham. He told Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This should be ringing loud in everybody's head. It's the same exact thing. God is saying, I have to be just. I have to respond to, to Pharaoh's great evil. And I'm giving you a lamb so you don't have to sacrifice your son for Pharaoh. Sacrifice the lamb for me. And he's made it available to even the Egyptians. Right? 
And Pharaoh doesn't listen. Pharaoh loses his firstborn son. That's the end of it. And Pharaoh's like, fuck, get out of here. You know, it's this whole big thing. But Passover then is, is, uh, is a holiday celebrated by the Israelites every year moving forward. Right? And here's the thing. Anybody ever heard of the Last Supper? When Jesus is saying, here's my body broken for you. And here's my blood poured out for you. That was at Passover. So check this out. Passover is supposed to be a celebration of remembering when, when Yahweh freed the Israelites out of bondage by breaking a lamb. And this is how it had been celebrated for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Thousands of years. I don't know what the timeline is. Don't quote me on that. But it was a long time. And Jesus is sitting down with the disciples. And they're all expecting, oh man, for Jesus to say, man, remember when God brought you out of Egypt? Remember when God brought you and, 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 and put you in the promised land? And remember all, all the things that we've been through and, and how God provided a lamb for everybody and you could paint the doorpost and the, and the death angel would pass over you and, you and your kids wouldn't die? Remember that? But what Jesus does is completely different and probably at the moment seems sacrilegious. Jesus says, actually, don't remember that. Remember me. What's he saying? Jesus is saying, I'm the lamb. The, the, the lamb that you, has always been there. God has always provided a lamb to get you out. I'm the lamb to get you out. The snake, <laughs> the devil, is always trying to kill you. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. Sin, the wages of sin is what? Death. So Jesus is saying, hey, once again, but for the final time, here's the lamb, and it's me. Remember me. So now when we have communion on Sunday morning, it's because it's like Passover. We're remembering the spotless lamb that God provided for us to die on the cross for our sins. That's this whole thing. Is God is reversing things, putting it back together, and then saying, hey, even at the end, when his wrath was getting poured out, he gave everybody an opportunity, even Pharaoh. If Pharaoh would have put the blood on his doorpost, his son would have been saved too. It was a picture of what was to come in Jesus. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that even way back then, in the, but why is that so? Because, like I said at the beginning, the book of Exodus is a description of who Yahweh is. So we find that out. So, what I, want you, what I want you to take from this, I want you to take from this that God is a God of justice. He is. All the wrongdoing that you see in the world, all the evil that you see in the world, God sees it too. And later on, we're going to find out that God blesses those who love him for thousands of generations, and he curses those who, who curse him for four gener three to four generations. God sees it. He's a God of justice. He sees the wicked things in the world, and they won't go unpunished. He sees the terrible things happening. God is a God of blessing. He's not just a God of wrath. He's not just a God that's going to put things right. He's going to bless you abundantly. God is a God of grace and mercy. Later on, we're going to see that Moses begs for mercy for the children of Israel. And God says, okay, fine. God's a God of grace and mercy. The promised land is in their future. And God... Jesus is the Passover lamb. Everyone's invited. Even the ones 
who were hurting his people. Even the Egyptians were invited. And so that's how I want us to walk into life, into our schools, into our workplaces. And that's how I want us to walk into convention this weekend, knowing that even our worst enemies are invited to accept that spotless lamb that's Jesus. Even the people we hate the most, even the people that have hurt us the most, and that's grace. Because we've hurt some people, we've done some bad things, and God chose us too. The Bible says while we're still sinners, he died for us. That's what this story is all about. Is that God comes back for his people to set them free. Amen? So be set free. Invite some friends to youth groups so they can be set free too. Uh, and let's have a blast at youth convention this weekend. Amen? Uh, remember, it's not too late. If you want to come to youth convention, come talk to me right after this. Uh, but let's stand up. Let's pray. I'm done. What a time to be alive. Uh, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for, uh, God, just this desire in our hearts to learn more about you and learn more about your word. Uh, God, we're, we're finding out that your word really is alive and it's active and it's sharper than every two-edged sword and that it penetrates our hearts and that changes us from the inside out. And so, God, help us to keep seeking, help us to keep understanding uh, what your word says. I thank you for this group. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would lead them. I pray that you'd give them opportunities to share the good news. God, I, I pray that every student in this room would understand that the gospel, the good news, is good news to absolutely everybody all the time. And we just have to figure out how it's good news to everybody and, and, and portray that. And so, Lord, uh, would, you, would you give us wisdom? God, would you give us opportunities uh, to share your good news with those uh, around us. God, this weekend as we go to Youth Convention, give us uh, safe travels, help us have a blast, and help us to come back, hearts on fire for you uh, as we head into the summer. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.